Welcome to the Educator's Blueprint Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we engage in meaningful conversations on topics currently impacting our school systems, behavior, and instructional practices. From the classroom to the boardroom, we welcome you to unpack, reflect, and learn with us. Now here's your hosts. Hello, colleagues and friends around the world. We are so glad you are joining us today for the Educator's Blueprint. My name is Jamie Greasaber, and I'm here with my co-host, Lisa Powers. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Jamie. Well, this is going to be an exciting one. We have Dr. Lewis back. I think it's the third or fourth time. He's going to get that five-time jacket before this is over. I'll, I'll need to go back and look at all of them, but I think it might be the fourth time. And we're going to be talking about the PBS Leadership Forum that's going to be coming up and professional development in general. So it's an exciting topic. It's going to be two parts. So hang on for part one, and then we'll see you next week for part two. Let's jump in. Dr. Lewis, thanks for coming back to the Educators of Blueprint podcast. Before we get started, in case... um, Folks haven't heard you before. You've been on several episodes before this one. If you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and any updates from the last time you were on. I'm Tim Lewis. I'm a professor of special education here at the University of Missouri in Columbia. Uh, Also one of four co-directors of the National Center for Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports. I've been a special educator for uh, over 30 plus years now. Well, that was short and sweet. <laughs> Is that what you told me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got directions from Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'll make it easier to edit. <laughs> That's right. So to get us started, we're going to focus a little bit on um, professional development and training and technical assistance as the bigger topic. The center has had a forum, a leadership forum for many years. Can you talk a little bit about the leadership forum that's coming up, its history and its purpose? Absolutely. So uh, as I said, I'm I'm co-director of the National Center. The National Center is a technical assistance and dissemination center. So the history of these centers comes through the U.S. Department of Education Office of Special Education Programs. So anytime there are major changes in the law or new sort of pressing uh, topics, in addition to some some longstanding, OSEP has funded these TA centers. In 1997, when IDA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, was reauthorized, in it, there was specific language around positive behavior interventions and supports. Lots of confusion around the regulations, especially as it related to discipline uh, and what exactly is PBIS. So uh, Office of Special Education Programs put out a call uh, and a request for application, uh, which is basically a grant. Uh, A team of us at the University of Oregon, as well as at the time it was Kentucky, Kansas, um, and Lucy Lieber, who is in Illinois, was at that time attached with a school district, <clears throat> were successful in getting the grant. Uh, and we sort of went about the business of how do we get information out, good ideas, good practice to not just special educators, but all educators related to kind of the larger topic of disabilities, of discipline, of behavior support particularly alternatives, because around that same time, there were also lots of legislation coming out, both at the federal level and state level, 
that really adopted kind of this zero tolerance, get tough. Uh, and, and what we know then and what we absolutely know now is not only does that not improve students' social, emotional, behavioral well-being, it actually has the exact opposite effect. It exacerbates it and it creates a lot of other, lots of other challenges. So at the center, uh, our goal, our mission was to get good information out about helping kids and young people, uh, like I said, develop sort of their social, emotional, behavioral well-being. At the time, there were very few states that had statewide initiatives, whereas now there's uh, probably the majority of states have some level of statewide support. And we were forming these kind of informal networks across states that might have had some sort of behavioral initiative and or regional. And one of the things we know around professional development is it's easy to kind of do a three-hour workshop. It's almost near impossible to get it to generalize back to school context and maintain. And so part of our goal, uh, part of our logic was to build in coaching networks. So schools want to do this. Schools are <clears throat> downloading great information. They may have gone to some workshops that were offered regionally or in their state. But when they get back and they're sitting around the table and they run into a roadblock, they, they sort of get stuck. So part of our logic, part of the way we approached professional development uh, is to absolutely pay a lot of attention to that coaching piece. So this is a very long-winded answer to, to your question, but, but the original forum was actually set up, and it was a sort of invitation only, and it was set up for coaches, uh, because all of these coaches were pretty isolated, and there might have been, you know, just three of them in Montana or six in Ohio, and they were sort of like, oh, we're not even sure where to go to get information. We love your website. We're getting good stuff, um, but we continually need to learn from each other. So those first few forums were invitation only, and they were targeted at helping coaches help coach school teams. And so we ran strands. So we had strands around tier one or universals, just kind of some basics and helping them understand team roles, um, getting support from that district or region, or if there was some sort of state infrastructure, um, and then tier two practice systems and all the way through tier three. So that's where we started. And what happened was, uh, as more and more states were supporting, as more and more districts and schools were interested in implementation, the sort of the need quickly outpaced our ability to have a small group uh, of coaches come in. So that's when we shifted and moved to that larger format where we only cap enrollment based on the number of people that can be accommodated at the facility. And because we opened it and it wasn't like, okay, folks are coming in with some baseline level of knowledge, we also expanded what it looked like. One of the things though that we wanted to continually underscore and emphasize and make sure took place for those folks who were veterans and or people in a supporting role, or even if you're on a school team, you would not only leave with the information or content, but you would leave with ideas in terms of actual application. And so we adopted this logic where typically somebody from the center or one of our colleagues in the field will say, hey, uh, Terry Scott, can you come and do like 15 minutes on best practices in teaching social skills? 
And then we would go out and recruit either districts or school teams or members to then sort of stand up and say, yep, that's critical. Here's how we actually did it. <laughs> Here's how we did it with no money. Here's how we did it with very few resources. Um, we'd invite district or state folks to say, yep, and here's how we supported that team and their implementation. Uh, so we might have started a professional learning community, or we might have had some coaching networks, and, and we would follow up with these ideas. So the forum has kind of evolved from sort of invitation, your jobs as you're a coach, to everybody and anybody who's interested in behavior supports, but we've kept that emphasis on most latest, greatest, up-to-date sort of empirical research and support, and the continued emphasis on application. Uh, and so what we've done is we've relied on our school exemplars, and, and we've got some just some amazing things going on out there. They're the ones that then kind of continue to provide sort of that, that coaching uh, through sort of their, their, their examples. And, and the questions people ask really get to the heart of that. It's like, how did you do it? Where'd you find the resources? Who got trained to do it? How did you get that training? Um, those sorts of nuts and bolts question are what good coaches do. And so we continue to have kind of that element of sustainability and generalization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I'm, my job is to summarize all that. So I'm <laughs> really <Good> quickly. <laughs> Some big ideas are you have identified what the needs are across the country and or the needs have been provided and you've responded to those needs in the area of behavior and, and uh, positive behavior supports. You standardized materials around the best practices and then you've invited leaders in the field to build capacity of others to do this work? What does it look like to implement it? If I take these best practices, what, is it, what does it look like in my district? And then they can collaborate and work together. And you've been doing this, the, the forum's been in place for a long time. So it okay. should look yeah. different from the beginning to where it is now because you've responded to the needs. Exactly. So we are entering our 25th year of funding. I think we started the forum maybe the second year. Wow. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're pretty darn close. So 23, 24, I'd have to go back and um, <clears throat> look at the archives. So let's check the record, <laughs> folks. But um, yeah, that, that was one of the um, uh, actual things we built into our application is that we would hold a national coaching event. Nice. So Dr. Lewis, with the upcoming forum in a couple of weeks, actually, how can attendees of this event or similar conferences reap the greatest benefit from attending? That's a great question. Um, and I, I, I do a fair number of conference presentations and I always point out, it's like, look, I'm gonna give you a non-example of effective instruction. I'm gonna talk to you for an hour. You're gonna sit and listen. I'm gonna expect you to generalize this back to your location, adapt and adopt to fit the cultural context and then maintain it over time. And I acknowledge that that's, that's a near impossible task. In fact, the research pretty much confirms that. Um, <clears throat> conferences, though, are a great way to get lots of information in kind of usable bits, if you will. Mm -hmm. So not only with our forum, but even other sort of professional conferences, we first encourage schools, and, and that's become a challenge post-pandemic with personnel shortages, but we encourage schools to show up in teams, sit down and look through that agenda and identify topics that are related to your action plan, 
not just, oh, I heard this guy is really entertaining and funny. <laughs> well, that's all well and good, but you want to make sure that the information that you're you're, you're attempting to, to gather reflects where you are in your own implementation and, and where those next steps are. Then kind of divide and conquer. Yeah, it's fun to go with a colleague friend, but, but go alone so you maximize. Um, in the forum, we actually build in time. So teams meet, they, they pick their sessions. In fact, now you sort of pick ahead of time, but we've built in time during the conference and it's so fun to watch teams meet immediately. And they walk away and we pre-correct, okay, here's, you know, think about two big things, two big ideas or four things that are going to fold in and then immediately share that while it's fresh in your mind. Um, the other thing that, that we have done in our forum, and I've noticed more and more uh, professional conferences are also tying a lot of, here's additional information, here are some resources. You know, with the availability of everything now on the internet, it can be overwhelming. Um, but look for, related to that topic in that session you went for, pay attention to those additional resources and immediately bookmark them or go to them and maybe download a couple of resources um, as that person's speaking or shortly after so that you can kind of keep things sort of fresh in your mind. But then you also have information because it is tough. You know, it's great. You're in Chicago, you're in another great city, you're enjoying yourself and you go back and it's Monday morning and, you know, it's back to work and the kids are coming in and it's real easy to kind of, oh, I'll get to it later. So prioritize, divide and conquer, discuss while it's fresh. You know, you don't have to have hours, but just, hey, here's the two things I learned. You know, let's write that down. And then download or, or tag or bookmark those resources while they're also still fresh. I mean, we've all done this, right? I've, I've cleaned up my desktop and I find a document and open it's like, what is this? Why, why did I download this? Does this? Is this something that's overdue or am I supposed to, it's, you know, it, 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 it just, it's so easy, uh, you know, just with busy lives and so many other sort of things competing for our attention. Um, so th that's kind of the, the recommendation we make at our forum, and it's a recommendation I'd make to school teams who attend any, any kind of like, uh, professional learning, professional development event. Mm -hmm. So get a team, identify what your data is telling you to provide meaningful and relevant opportunities to connect to that. And I, I made a connection in listening to you, not only pick a track that makes sense for where you are in your journey, I'm also thinking about the poster session opportunities. Go to the posters of the people that are in that part of the journey that goes back to that exemplar they become the coaches how did you do it how does this look like an application so and there's even strategies on documenting um, as teams what did you learn what's the big idea and what's the resource or the call to action so thank you for that um, context dr lewis yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking, well, why are you guys talking to me? <laughs> you're, you're all over this. You guys do this for a living. So, Well, then here's the next question. We'll see if this stumps you. <laughs> when we think about the conference, that's one way of learning. And you've set up really good structures for uh, states and districts and school teams to maximize that. What does the literature research tell us about the impact of professional development? Unfortunately, most of it points to its uh, complete and utter failings. Um, it, it's again, it's, it's strange. Uh, this is our business, education. We're supposed to know better than anybody else about how humans learn and what it takes to get skill mastery. And yet we throw all that out the window when it comes to our own learning. 
Um, so what research tells us is information needs to be in small chunks. Uh, it should be hopefully ideally skill-based during that professional development, even if it's a um, uh, kind of a virtual or it's sort of a practice where you're not actually applying that skill. But if you build in some opportunities to kind of practice um, that skill, at, at minimum, you're talking to colleagues about how do you do it? How do I do it? Here's a couple of three ideas. Those are critical pieces within that professional development time. Now, what research is very clear on is it's all about the follow-up. And again, just like students, mm -hmm. if we don't get feedback on our own learning, it's one, very difficult to master, and two, it's very difficult to maintain. So that skill-based approach, adding performance feedback, that combination, even if it's a 15-minute in-service, is going to lead to the biggest impact in terms of me changing my own behavior and or me implementing skills I may already have, but maybe at a higher intensity. Uh, or maybe now I know how to sort of differentiate among some of the some of the students I have that might be struggling. Um, so, you know, when, when, when I talk to superintendents, I tell them, it's like, look, do not add any new initiatives, any new curriculum into your district, unless you have two things at the ready. The first is skill-based professional development. The second is ongoing on-site technical assistance. So if you don't have somebody that can show up and work with those teams or work with teachers or administrators and help them kind of problem solve, and even that performance feedback you know, a lot of our work, uh, particularly at the classroom level, you know, we reduced a single skill, 10 minute in service. And then it's not we have experts come in and watch you teach and then sit down and meet for two hours. But, a, you know, a colleague of yours comes in and just counts something for 10 minutes and they leave that number on your desk. Um, I don't need to meet. I don't need to write things up. I know that, for example, I should be delivering high rates of opportunities to respond if I want to keep kids engaged in learning. And if I only gave one in a 20-minute period, I need to change my some of my teaching practices. Um, and that relates back to that skill base. So, and that professional development, ideally, I left with a list of 10 different ways to present opportunities to respond across lots of different content. So, Bottom line on the research, sit and get one shot, train and hope does exactly what you think. It changes nothing uh, to very, very little. Folks might remember the lunch that day um, or they might remember, you know, a fun story told. But in terms of actually helping me change my practice and become a better educator, it has very little impact. You give me a chance to practice and you give me feedback, I'm much more likely uh, to, to continue doing that practice. And as I said, the ultimate irony is if I ask educators, well, how would you teach a new math concept? It's like, well, I, I would show them, you know, the property and then I'd give them a couple examples and then I would give them an example and just maybe one to make sure they got the right thing and I'd give them feedback if they got it right. If not, I'd remind them of two or three critical steps and then I would give them some homework to make sure they're getting it and then I would give a quiz to test mastery. Exactly. <laughs> we learn the exact same way. We might be a little more sophisticated learners, but the, the learning process is identical for all humans on this planet. Um, so increasingly, we encourage districts, states, schools 
to keep that in mind when they seek out professional development, to keep that in mind. And as I said, conferences are, are non-examples, but you can get a lot of good information in a day and a half. It's then taking that principle of going back, how do I share this with my colleagues? How do we break this down to a skill? Meaning, okay, we're gonna run those small group social skills. Who's gonna be a coordinator of that? What supports do you need? And that continued performance feedback. So even if I'm not running a small group social skill, I know my job uh, as a classroom teacher is I need to use the language of that group, especially if I have a student in that group, I'm going to follow up and I'm going to prompt. So it's that it's that combination of skill based and performance feedback that leads to the greatest learning. Well, thanks for all those examples. I think what you're inviting uh, schools and districts to think about is to expand what's been almost like a current practice of planning for an event, but really spend most of our time planning for that on-site technical support to reinforce whatever the skill is they're learning and or problem solve if it's not working. So think about less on the input, the input being smaller and very um, discreet and directive, and the output where teachers actually practice that we have time. And you've invited us to think about it doesn't need to be somebody who's hired to do that that we really could look at our colleagues as a way to support us in that process and work collaboratively as we learn these skills together. Absolutely, yeah. And your people can't see, I'm nodding profusely. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you're on it. What a fascinating conversation. And I cannot wait to reflect and summarize with you after part two next week. Yep, so join us again next Wednesday. <laughs> for the second part with Dr. Tim Lewis. Educators Blueprint Podcast team would like to say thanks to our guests today in addition to our music composer, Austin Gross, our graphic designer, Evan Courtney from Creative Courtney, the NU Center team for school-wide positive behavior supports, and me, Grace Linguffy, your MC. Thanks again for listening. Blueprint. 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 Okay, try it again. Uh, take three. It's actually take four, Mom. Okay, go. <laughs> oh, okay. I love you. Mwah. <laughs>